Amen. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Good morning, church family. All right. That's going to do. All right. You all have had your coffee. You're ready to go. Um, we're, we're excited to be with you all this morning. Um, my eight-year-old asked that I use those exact words. She helps me work on some of these sermons. And she said, you got to tell people you're excited, Daddy. And I'm like, well, everybody says they're excited. But we genuinely are to be with you all this morning and our family to join you. Um, we have a really um, fun topic to talk about today. I love talking about single adults and how we can engage uh, with them as a church family. But this morning's also going to be for married adults. So you don't get to just tune out or walk out, all right? Please don't. Everybody's going to be offended at some point. All those things. Things, but stay in the room and stay with us because we're going to be talking about being complete in Christ. So um, we are new to North Georgia. Uh, my wife and my family, we moved up here in December from all Benny, Georgia. I think I said it right. And uh, we exchanged some gnats for some pollen. Uh, so I now have a regiment of shots to help me with that. So thank you for that blessing. Um, but, but we really have enjoyed being in Georgia and I work with uh, the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, which is part of the cooperative program that you give to uh, to serve our North Georgia churches and move the needle in discipleship. So today, when we get to talk about singles, this is uh, something that I go all around the country, get to speak about uh, and engage with people. Um, and so to start there, I just want to talk about how we're getting it all wrong. So we've been talking about family, we've been talking about relationships, and really those definitions for single adults can can be something that's unobtainable. When we make life about getting married and getting an adult job and adulting, and when you get your first paycheck and when you take over your cell phone bill and all these things, single adults feel like, well, man, I'm never going to get to that point, right? And, and, and some of them, you know, have been divorced and they went down that road and now they're back to this place. So we're going to talk about the types of single adults. But when we make it about marriage being the finish line, here's, here's where it all goes wrong. First of all, Jesus was single. So if you want to argue with me just a little bit on that, that's fine. But he turned water into wine and had a party at a wedding. So I think it would have been in Scripture um, had it been there. So in the book, Jesus was single and whole and complete, okay? That's a really big foundational thing for what we're talking about. Um, but marriage isn't the finish line, and here's why. So we believe the, the world, right, and some, and some part of Christian worldview that if we just get married, then things will work out. So we get married and then we get a cat and then people tell us you shouldn't have a cat, so you should get a dog because dogs are better for you. So you get a dog, but you don't get a big enough dog. You got too tiny of a dog, so you should have got a bigger dog, all right? Well, now that you have a cat and a dog, uh, somebody says, well, you know, you really should have some kids. Oh, okay, all right, let's go have a kid. So we have a kid and then we have two kids, but they're two girls. So what do you have to do? You have to go have a boy, right? We got to move the, the line again. I thought I'd crossed it. Nope, you didn't cross it yet. Okay, so let's go have a boy. Well, by number five, they go, do you know how that's done, son? You know, like how many, how many kids are you going to have? And I'm like, you told me we had to have all of them, you know, and now you don't want me to. Well, you have to buy a minibus. I know, okay? And so once you have too many kids, then the world says that's not good. Now, it's not just that. So once you get married and you have kids and then they grow up, what happens? grandkids. So then the world tells us you should have tons of grandkids. You should have like 20 or 30 because that makes it the finish line. Like you've lived a good life because you've procreated. Do y'all see that where the line never actually is obtained? Like no matter how you measure it, if you measure it against Jesus and being complete in Christ, you're never going to obtain it, whether you're married or whether you're single this morning. So as you're watching online and as you're with us this morning, um, we're going to start in 1 Corinthians and we're going to end in 1 Corinthians, but just one verse. And so if you are a note taker, you're welcome to do that. If you want to pull out your phone and take a couple of pictures of the screen, you can do that too. That's like the cheater's way. If you've never done that for note taking, it's like click, move on. Okay. So you can do that this morning, but 
Uh, Paul's talking to us in 1 Corinthians 7, and he says, I wish that all were as I uh, myself am. But to each has his own gift from God, and each one has another, right? He's talking about being single, that I have this gift of singleness. And some singles are like, I know, I want a refund, all right? Like, that's really great that Paul had that gift, but where's the receipt so I can take that back? And then those of you that are maybe married, you're thinking, well, yeah, that was that time. That was that. No, this is Paul saying, I have a calling on my life, okay, to be single. And most likely, Paul was a widower. Uh, We don't see that in Scripture. Those words aren't used, but given where he was and what he was doing in that time and era, most likely he was a widower writing this at this point. And so this is where I want to talk about singles. So defining singles is super important when we're going to say, this is who I am talking about this morning. So in our family series, we've, we've begun to unpack all the different parts of what a family is, a nuclear family is, and what God's family is. But I want to define singles real briefly for you this morning. So first bracket here is collegiate singles. These are single adults that are ages 18 to 22. Now, if you're ages 18 to 22, most people aren't going to put the word single on there, but they're not married. And so where do they fall into how our church reaches them? Well, we'll just call them uh, college. Okay, they're the college class. That sounds great, right? Except for when you find out that 70% of people that enter into college don't finish. So we just set up a bracket of this young adult, if you will, which, by the way, is relative because when you're 40, you still feel like a young adult. But when you're 18, you use the word young adult. And so you move to this line again on them. And they say, well, okay, no, like you have to get a degree. But most people actually won't finish with a degree, but they will have some, some debt to go along with that. So then you have singles never married. So this is everybody 22 and older. This is like the big bracket that when we say singles, this is what I mean. These are people that have never been married, uh, but may choose never to marry. I have twin uncles that are in their late 50s, and they may choose never to get married. That's who I'm talking about when I say this. You're talking to a 24-year-old that's not sure if they're wanting to date, but they're just okay with where they're at. That's the big one here that we're talking about as far as never married. And then you have dating singles. These are people that during COVID had it rough, all right? In the last, the last two years, we wanted to date somebody, but we had to get a COVID test first before we, enter, you know, how many people had to get a COVID test before they went on their first date? All right? It's been a little different. Now, let, let alone that, if, even if you were doing one of those app things, you might have had a face mask on, and that's a whole other complicated level of dating. And so dating is its own type. Like when you hang around singles, they'll tell you that you're either looking to date or you're not looking to date. And it's two different worlds altogether. Not one better than the other, just different looking to date. And then we have engaged singles. Those are the people, the ring is on the finger, like it's happening. But when you look at how many months it is to be engaged, it's somewhere between 15 to 18 months people will be engaged before they get married. Now, it may not feel like that in your room or who you know in your life, but there's an entire industry that's built off of that number, okay? They have so many months to get as much money out of you as possible and help you like buy all the pictures and all the things that are perfect that you quickly forget about. So there's a whole industry that is for the engaged single adult, but you're not married yet because you're not biblically defined as married until you do that in front of God, and we call that a wedding. Divorce singles. So divorce singles are singles who have been married before but are not currently married. Um, those singles may or may not choose to, to remarry. Not everybody who gets divorced is going to want to remarry. Now, a statistic with that is that 40% of first-time marriages end in divorce. So if you're sitting here thinking, well, once somebody gets married, there's not really another side to that, there's plenty of people in this room that can tell you no, actually the first one did not work out. And if you're going to be divorced, it happens in the first three years, most likely. 
So when we talk about healthy families and healthy marriages and we talk about single adults, this is a very real side of this. I do something called divorce care for a couple of churches and interact with that. And it's not just people that have been married for 50 years that can't do it anymore, right? It's the next column that we're talking about too, which is single parents. You now have single parents on the other side of a divorce, but single parents don't only come that way. So single parents um, are singles who have children but no longer have another person to raise children with, okay? So why is that important? That's because single parents can come from divorce, widow, adoption, or fostering. I don't know if you've met anybody that's fostering um, as a single adult, but it's much more common now than it was even 10 years ago. There are lots of children that need a home, and we're finding singles that say they're welcome to come to my world. The Lord hasn't brought someone into my life, but I would love to invest in this life, right? And so we see that. So single parents come a lot of different ways, not just a typical, oh, it's a divorce or you had a, a child out of wedlock. We hear that from single parents, like that people just don't even give us the benefit of the doubt, right? But single parents come a lot of different ways. And then we have widows, singles who were married, and while they were married, their spouse passed away. So the average age for this is somewhere between 57 and 59, it's not just little old ladies. It's not just the, our senior adults. Because we live in an era where COVID is real and people passed away. And there are not people in this room that were here a couple of years ago, and they certainly weren't all senior adults, were they? We have friends that passed away and they are now single and never thought that they would find themselves single because their spouse passed away from COVID right? And they're in their 30s, starting off their families and didn't see that happening. So widows come in all ages, all backgrounds, something to be aware of as the church. And then same-sex attraction, a biblical classification for those who struggle with same-sex attraction. We know what the biblical definition for marriage is. Um, This is everybody who struggles with that, which is 10% of the population. This is not a small category, nor do we have enough time to dive into it, but it is a type of single adults. Let me just give you a couple more statistics and then we'll, we'll dive into the, the, the rest of the message here. The average age for marriage for a man is 30 and 29 for ladies. I promise you that number is going to go up because there were weddings that didn't happen in 2020. There were weddings that got pushed back one year. And so this average is going to go up. These are all CDC numbers. Like we're, we're getting numbers from the government and they track all these things. And we're, we're saying that's that. Now, prior to this moment, you may have thought most people get married in their early 20s or right after they're done with college. But if that's your definition of single, you're missing the community that's around this church. If we were to draw a circle around here, let's just say five miles, do you know that it would be over 50% single? There are more single adults within reach of this church than there are married adults. That's why this is important. This has to be in our, in our minds. 63% of those singles have never been married. Like these aren't just divorcees. These aren't just single parents. Don't categorize it to just the people you know around you, but looking at the data, we can say, man, this is, this is important. We need to reach singles because a lot of them are out there. Now, if I haven't convinced you so far, if you just think I just like talking about singles, this statistic should get your attention. 40% of families are single parent households. 40% of all families, if we were to draw a circle five miles around here, are single parent households. How welcomed are they here at this church? Are we single friendly? How are we hitting them? How are we reaching them? When we walk down the hallway, how are we getting single parents that are underwater trying to do two jobs at the same time down onto preschool hallway, into children's hallway, into VBS, those kind of things. 
And then as I mentioned before, the median age for divorce is 30. So even these people that are getting married in their 20s are turning around and facing their first time divorce. Church family, what I want to tell you this morning is that being complete in Christ is not a relationship status. It is a life choice. And this morning, I hope that this message isn't one that you just continue on with your life and nothing changes. Like, I really hope that you walk away this morning with an idea of what it means to be complete in Christ and knowing that that affects everybody, whether you're single or married this morning. Because I want you to know that we need to trust, know, and reflect Christ, okay? So what's it mean to trust? If you have your Bibles open or open your app to Jeremiah chapter 17, we're going to look into what it means to trust, Jeremiah chapter 17. Now, as we're getting that pulled up or as you're opening that app um, and you're joining at home, I hope that you're pulling up God's Word as well. I just want to say that your church loves single adults. They love single adults. The investment that your pastor is making, the, the team of people prior to me coming today, they're, they're saying we want to reach this demographic, but how? Now, we're gonna, that's a lot more meetings. That's not a sermon, but it's just saying that this is a people group that is not just a small group. This is a major part of our population here in Dunwoody, and we want to reach them. So thank you to your church staff for, for being focused on that and caring for them. So trust is the first thing that we want to talk about. Jeremiah 17 Verses five through six. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. To understand what it is to be complete, we have to take a moment and talk about what it means to be incomplete in Christ. Now, these are just a few of the ways that you can tell if you're incomplete, but one of those is loneliness. Now, loneliness is not just a, an epidemic with single adults. There were a lot of people that learned how lonely they could be in 2020 when they locked down and they were in a room with someone else. Um, we, I don't know if anybody else lived a little bit, little bit of uh, real life in 2020, okay? And so um, I've been more single than I've been married, even though I've been married 11 years. So I'll just say that. And so we had a little, little one at home. And after about, oh, two months of quarantine and all of us looking at each other, Harper looks up at us and just says, is tomorrow daddy-daughter day? You know, and it's like every day is daddy-daughter day. What do you mean? Like of all we've done is sit in this apartment the entire time in COVID. Right? So then you go to your room and you feel like a failure and then you feel lonely, right? This sense of loneliness comes in even though you're surrounded by people. Well, for single adults during COVID especially, they were isolated. Of isolated. Like prior to COVID, they were already living alone or didn't have roommates and they were even more alone during that time. So now as we're reaching out to single adults, we're finding that it's hard to re-engage in community. Does the church even want me here? When they came back, Maybe you had the seats marked off, like different churches did that, and they were made for families, groups of families. Single adults walked in and said, so where's my seat? And where did they sit? They sat alone. So that's a physical loneliness that was hard for a lot of single adults. So there may be several that are watching today because they said, I don't know where my seat is. And I promise you this church has a seat for you, amen? This church has a place for you and you are welcome to be here in person, but you're welcome to join online. And so for single adults, loneliness is, is, is this catapulting thing. But for married adults, for any adult, when we feel loneliness, that means that we're not trusting in God. We have a lack of purpose. It means you wake up in the morning and you're not really sure what you're doing today or why you're doing it. That lack of purpose 
can drive how you feel about the entire day, if you're a good employee, if you're not, if you're being nice to your family members, all those kind of things. But like anger with God is a real easy one to identify to say, I'm not completing Christ because I wake up mad. I'm mad at the traffic. It's easy to be mad about traffic, all right? <laughs> and, it's, and it's easy to be mad about another accident or another thing. But when you're just angry all the time, maybe you woke up this morning angry about what time you had to be at church or that you had to dress a certain way or that everybody was frustrated at each other or that you even wanted to go. Is anybody gonna even notice I'm there? Like that anger is an incompleteness, regardless of your status. Sinning without conviction and discontent relationships. Single adults, the, the discontent with relationships does not change when you're married. Married adults, being discontent with your relationship doesn't change after you got married. That's why a lot of people say that first year of marriage was like a learning curve because we thought relationships were just gonna be easy and it's not easy, right? We have to work on those relationships. So regardless of your status, when you're incomplete in Christ, those relationships are frustrating. You're mad at your cousin, you're mad at your aunt, you're mad at Christmas, like all these relationships around you aren't working and it may not be on them. Because Jeremiah goes on to tell us, to, to, uh, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots into the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green, and it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Okay. So if you've ever watched like a Hallmark movie and they do like the misunderstanding and they bottom out down here and then it's all uphill, that's where we're at, all right? It's not gonna be a beat down the entire morning, but we have to set the stage of reality to address where you're at this morning because all of us have some level of leaning on the Lord, being complete in the Lord that we struggle with. And so what's the opposite of incomplete? It's the opposite of the list we just looked at. It means that relationships around you reflect Christ. 1 John 4 says that we need to know God so that others can know God and reflect his love to others. Like that's the challenge we have is that if I'm not gonna show love to the gas attendant person, right? I have my gas, I came in, I'm gonna pay. If I'm not being God's love to them, they won't see God. That's what 1 John 4 says for you that are, are believers here this morning. Like that's a heavy charge. But when we're not complete in Christ, we're not thinking about being God's love to other people. And sometimes we repost things we shouldn't post. Or sometimes we speak out in anger on social media and then regret it. I know I have. I mean, maybe y'all are perfect, all right? But like, I have not always been proud of everything that has gone on social media. And I've had to reflect, is this God that I'm reflecting through my communications with others? Every day has purpose, asking God to serve and having conviction are all parts of trusting in Christ because the first step is trusting in Christ. If we don't have that, we can't go on to the next step. So maybe you're here watching online and you need to tell somebody, I don't know if I trust God. Like maybe, maybe you're not sure what that next step in your life is because you don't have control over it because you think you need to be in control. But it's actually God who needs to be in control. Like that's how being complete in Christ shows up. Now, Jeremiah goes on to, to talk and just show us why we struggle with this idea of trust. He said, because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So trusting in the heart. Okay, so when we don't trust in God, what are we trusting in? We trust in the heart. 
Well, when you trust in the heart, that changes. Like, are you, I mean, have y'all ever liked a song and then you were embarrassed you liked it? Yes, you are, okay? All of you had an achy, breaky heart maybe at some point, and now you don't have an achy, breaky heart because you went over here, all right? Some of you don't know the reference to that song. It's fine. Don't look it up. All right, so our heart changes with things. Now, here's where it gets dangerous. Coworkers have zero investment almost always in your life. Like coworkers give terrible advice. We'll have people come in divorce care and they'll be like, my coworker just said I needed to go date so-and-so because if I just date them, it'll get better. Like that's real life. They, they don't deal with your life though. You know who's gonna deal with your life tomorrow? You. It's gonna be between you and God. Don't ask that coworker that's not walking with the Lord what they think you should do. They're gonna say you should eat that sandwich today. You know, you're gonna go around somebody and they're gonna say, oh man, I should eat that cheeseburger. And if you eat that cheeseburger every day the rest of your life, you will have problems because they are not invested in your personal health, are they? Now, I'm not saying people are mean. I'm just saying it has different implications when you have to live with it. So if we trust in the heart, sometimes there's issues about social issues y'all with me, that is founded in God's word, but we drift a little bit over here because our heart said, but I don't necessarily like the way that felt. But now this isn't too far away, but then I took one more step over here because there was a lot of noise about this issue. And so now I feel this way, even though God's word is over here. Do you see what happened? You drifted. You drifted away from God because you're not being complete in Christ. And you followed the heart. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. The heart is deceitful above all things. As a single adult, if you just follow your heart when you're dating or looking to date or what relationships you're going to be around, you're going to go to a bad place. And you might end up as one of those statistics that's back as a divorced adult. Some of you are going through hard marriages right now and you're trying to figure out, well, what can I do to change? And it's because you're trusting in your heart and not the Lord. Or maybe you're trusting in your spouse and not the Lord, putting your faith in another human, right? Because the heart is always changing. Now, what's real important is to know God. Now, you don't need to turn there, but just real quickly, um, in 1 John, it says, and by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments as a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And by this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which we have walked. So how do we know something? All right, I love Christmas. And we're like, 261 days away from Christmas. I don't know if it's like, I might, somebody's going to pull up in their app too and they love Christmas. I also saw a Christmas tree walking through the corridor and I was like, God is in this place. Okay. So um, I love Christmas. And so one of the best scenes that I, I, I love is from Elf, the movie Elf, right? And somebody says that they know Santa and what does he do? I know him. I know Santa, right? Now you can go watch the movie. It's a great movie. We can recommend that one. But like, Knowing him is what got him excited. Like he's like, I know Santa. That same excitement is what we need to feel when we say we know God. Like, how do we know God? I know him. When somebody mentions him at work and they talk about God and you risk a little bit of your relationship equity to say, I know God too, because that's scary. Or when you're at Christmas dinner and you have a family member who says that I'm struggling and I don't know what the answer is. And we say, but I know him. Do you see the excitement of where we turn that around? That's what I mean by knowing him and being complete in him is that you have to get to know him through a commitment. 
You didn't get to know another person in your life without spending time with them. So if you go another week this week without spending time with God, why would you expect to come back next week any different? Like you didn't spend any more time with him. You didn't pray. You didn't take a little bit of time to spend with God. I'm not even saying like open your word, which we should, right? I'm just saying, did you take 10 minutes and talk with God every day for the next week? You would have spent an hour, right? Like how cool is that? You spent an hour with God this week. Did you do that this week? Like don't don't overthink it. But be a part of him and know him, right? We have to obey and seek him. And a big part of what we do that in is groups. If you're not in a group here at Dunwoody, you need to be. If nobody's ever asked you to be in a group, I'm asking. I'm asking, why aren't you in a group for community so that you can know God and know him more and make him known? That's where community helps us with that. But you know what community also helps with? Reflecting Christ. Now, I love this bullet point. I love this part of it, okay? Because reflecting Christ has a roadmap. We don't have to guess about what it is. I love when scripture is like really surface and it just tells me the answer. Like I don't have to sit there and and read through it and look up all the words, like it just speaks it to me. And that's what happens here in Galatians. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because if we're going to reflect being complete in Christ, we already have the roadmap for that. Some of you need to put that on the refrigerator this week. <laughs> you might need to put it on the dash when you get mad driving around town. Because there are times when I'm driving that I forget patience. I don't, y'all are great drivers, I'm sure. But like, I mean, I've been around Atlanta and some of you live here. So I know that some of you need to, to work on patience. But gentleness and kindness and man, I mean, like, when's the last time you just had joy? Like, you just couldn't help but be joyful at, at like an office party. You're just, you're just the person that people say, man, you're, you're joyful. But the thing with the fruit of the Spirit is we're going to struggle with one of these. We're not going to always have it all together, church family. It's not about being perfect. It's about progress over perfection. See, this is where I struggle. Because if I'm supposed to reflect Christ, am I not supposed to be perfect? Does anybody else think that way? Or am I just the only perfectionist Enneagram one in the room? Okay. <laughs> Amen. All right. So when I read God's word, then I think I can't hit it. Then I think, well, oh, well, like another day. I'm just, I already missed it. You know, I didn't do my Bible study this morning. I'm a terrible Christian, you know, and I just think, well, then why do I do it tomorrow? But see, that's, that's the enemy talking. That's not God's love talking. And when I'm around other believers, they remind me that it's progress over perfection. It pastors uh, wife on the broadcast this week. We do a, a podcast called Georgia Baptist Discipleship. You're welcome to follow us on any platform um, and on YouTube. And uh, we were talking about health and discipleship and disciple making. And I struggled with that. So when somebody tells me, Um, what do you struggle with on this list? I mean, self-control is hard because food tastes awesome. Amen. Like food is awesome. But like, if you have that awesome food every day, what happens? You become really awesome. All right. And so at some point you become sumo awesome. Church family, I, I had to lose 175 pounds 
to emotionally understand why God wanted me to do this. It wasn't about a scale. I share that number with you so that you know that it was real in my life, not because I'm up here as this beacon of health. I, I don't, I, you're not gonna find me at the gym every morning, all right? I'm not that guy. My best running is from the Lord, all right? Some of you got that. Okay, so this progress over perfection and reflecting Christ is something I have to be reminded of. And I have to surround myself with people that say, it's okay, PJ, but we'll do better tomorrow, weren't we? And it's like, yes, because God loves us that much. So we have to trust, know, and reflect Christ. And single adults, when we talk about how Paul is reflecting, he says here in 1 Corinthians 7, 8, to the unmarried and to the widow, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, see that word again? Then they should marry, for it is better for them to marry than to burn with passion. Paul is, is giving a clear roadmap that he wants there to be self-control in your life. If that is something you struggle with, then he's saying it's okay to get married. But his preference is that you would be whole and complete in Christ in every way possible. It's the primary way is to, to be God's love and to be able to be that person. It's not less than to get married at all, right? Marriage is awesome. But Paul is saying there's a preferred route, and that's that you're so in tune with the Lord that it wouldn't matter if you get married or not. But some of you are going to need that because some of you haven't processed that. Because being complete in Christ is not defined by the world. It's a choice, you're going to choose to walk out of this. You're going to choose to, to flip the uh, internet page or the app that you're on watching this, and you're going to have to choose to be complete in Christ because if you define it by the world, you'll come up empty every time. If you define it by your family and just your kids, when you're an empty nester, you won't know who your identity is anymore. When tragedy strikes your family and you become a widower or a widower and your identity was only in your spouse, and not in Christ, you're not sure who to be anymore. Are those tragic things that happen? Yes, we live in a tragic world. But being complete in Christ is a choice that you can make. And you can say that all these things are good, all these relationships are good, but they need to reflect Christ. So three things that I wanna call you to this morning, okay? Paul is saying loud and clear to us, be complete in Christ and not others. Y'all getting that? Be complete in Christ and not others. If you've never taken that first step to trust in Christ and everything, I, I encourage you to fill out that connection card or come down. If you're here in person with us, you can come down and do that. If you're watching online, write in the chat. Just be bold. Just say, I don't trust in God. I've never taken that step. I've never followed that act of obedience. Today is the day that you can change that and walk away a different person. And then you have to be in community. So how are we going to, to know Christ? Well, we have to be involved in groups. And I want you to be involved in a group for that end, right? Because to know Christ is to know his will for your life. And you're not gonna get that through osmosis. You're not gonna get that through just watching like churchy TV shows, right? You know, like somebody portraying Jesus is great, but that's not scripture. So that doesn't count as this, okay? It's a great add-on, but you have to know him. And then we have to reflect Christ through the fruit of the spirit. In this room and online, I promise there's somebody that struggles with one of those things on the fruit of the Spirit. It's a measuring stick that we're being reminded of that if we're going to love God and love others, 
that we have to do it this way. And we're going to struggle with that. But when you struggle in community, you don't struggle alone and you don't have loneliness. It doesn't mean that I don't have moments of loneliness, right? Because it's progress over perfection. So church, as we um, uh, go into a time of worship here, I want you to reflect and I want you to think about what your next step is. I want you to think about what it is that God would have you to do as a married adult, as a single adult, as a grandparent, as an empty nester, whatever your life stage is, and how you need to be complete in Christ.